Hey guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you're listening to a new episode of The New Unfiltered. So if you listened to last week's episode, I had on a mentee of mine who I met through an event that I did in Austin, and she was just so cool and has such a phenomenal story. So hopefully you enjoyed tuning into that as well um, and seeing all of the photos from the Yukon Summit. That was such a really awesome career moment for me and goal. And I definitely think that I would like to do more of them in the future. So many people have reached out asking about future summits. And that's something that I'm certainly thinking about as I focus on the mentorship platform. But since last week, I had one of a girl that I mentor on, I thought that it could be kind of cool this week to have a friend of mine who's in town for South by Southwest, uh, Margot Jordan, who I met years ago in Houston. I did a talk with her first company, Chicks with Class. And since then, she literally has revolutionized so many types of areas that focus on education with kids and parents and expanded out of the U.S. So I'm just super hyped to have you on. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Alexa. So good to see you. I know. And I'm really excited because this particular episode, we're going to gear towards something that you and I have certainly dealt with along the way, which is just falling down and getting back up and being self-made. So my first question for you is, is there one moment since the beginning of your career where you fell down and you were like, I'm going to give up and something just made you want to keep going? Oh my gosh, so many of those moments. Um, one moment that comes to mind most recently was when I I gotten about three different contracts with my new company. And um, as startup founders, like, Obviously, cash is king. Uh, we need revenue to keep the lights on, and we need cash flow. And um, I had gotten to a point where I got three large contracts. Three large contracts, I secured an investor, and then all of a sudden, like, everything kind of, like, fell through. I ended up almost losing the contract because of an error with my vendor status at the school. Um, and then the investor that I had on the line for, like, 250 k he said, we haven't called our capital and I don't know when it's going to be. So I went from a week of like major wins to what the eh. And at that moment, I was just like, man, I just go 10 steps forward and then go 15 steps back. And I was like, I give up. I'm not I'm not about to do this no more <laughs> because I can't. It's, it's like it was so emotional. And my chief of operations had sat me down. It was like, well, you know stuff like this is going to happen. I'm like, I know it's going to happen, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm so tired of having to go through this SHIT. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can curse on your Go for it. Oh, okay. yeah. I was like, I don't know. I can't keep going through <laughs> this shit. Like, it was so frustrating because I, like, being a black woman, being a founder in tech, I'm not, I don't have a technical background, but I put together this really amazing team and I got so far. And then for me to keep just getting hit with these obstacles, it's very frustrating. And at that moment, I wanted to give up. But I, there's a saying, are you going to cry about it or are you going to boss up? Or why not do both? So I cried about it for like a day. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then the next day, I kid you not, I got up and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to figure it out. So I ended up saving my contract. Um, I salvaged the investor and I sent him back this verbiage. And he was kind of like just blown away. I was like, okay, you know what? All right. Um, you got it. So... It's like, as a startup founder, you're, you're going to fail. Like, stuff is going to happen. But it's all in how you react mm-hmm. to that. It's all in how you how you get back up. Are you going to let this thing that happened defeat you? 
and prevent you from fulfilling that goal or reaching that mission that you set out. And I would always have to resort back to my why. Why did I start this company? Why do I want to do this? And because I resorted back to that, I just, I decided not to give up. So do you think most people who pursue entrepreneurship, most people aren't entrepreneurs? And do you think that the reason is because it's too hard when you fall down to get back up for most people? Um, kind of, sort of. So there's like a, there's a huge difference in someone who wants to be an entrepreneur and then someone who wants, who wants to be a startup founder. Entrepreneurship, it's all about being your own boss and you know, you can do that by franchising something, right? Or you're you're going after something that's they already have the plan paved out for you. So you already know what to do. Yes, it's it's still difficult, but being a startup founder, you're like revolutionizing something. It's something that's never been done before. So when you think of like Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, they started something that was that had never been done before. So in my case, I'm a startup founder because I'm doing something that's never been done before. And I feel as though for me, I was born into this because I would always just take control in situations or there's a certain like characteristic type or trait that you have. Um, I remember I did this, uh, it was like this characteristic survey. And when I got my results, my specific results was like less than 2% of the population. And it was like in the same category as I think I think Elon Musk was in that category. I have to look at my results. But honestly, when you're an entrepreneur and when you're a startup founder, I don't think you're some people are born into it. Some people were made into it. Like because you go through so many trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. you have to fall down and get back up again. But the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people, whether that's an entrepreneur, whether that's, you know, working for somebody else, it, the difference between that is you get back up. Mm-hmm. Like you don't let whatever you went through prevent you from moving forward, you know? So, well, it's funny because most people who have a traditional job, right, they can have a terrible day and then at 5 p.m. it shuts off. But yeah. I think when you're an entrepreneur, there's a sense of it never shuts off. And so that definition of balance is so critical. So before we get any more into the episode, so take me back. So you started Chicks with Class, which is how I met you. And then that just got acquired, which can we talk about? Yeah, okay. For sure. And then now you started something else. So take me through the full story. Yeah. So, okay. Chicks with Class was my first baby. I started this company because I wanted to impact girls. And it was a girls empowerment company. I built a self-esteem learning center in Houston. And I grew it to, I wanted it to be a franchise. And I had, I probably say about 10 or 11 franchise applications that were, that came in. But then when COVID happened, I just kind of stopped and then um, I would I would always say to myself, I'm going to come back to my first child, like my first business baby. Um, but in the midst of that, I had to pivot into this other company um, in Richley. And I knew that I wanted to digi- digitize my content in the curriculum. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. The pandemic obviously sped everything up for a lot of people. So when I was faced with, okay, what am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. I was not going to let the pandemic just take me out, right? So we're now in this new world. It's Everything is digital. So what can I do? So then I just developed this. It's a self-esteem-based e-learning SaaS platform and gaming app. And we're more so in the field of, like, these behavioral mental health, which a lot of states require for their schools. So what we're offering is super 
It's super hot right now. It's super in demand. Um, but I've been doing it for so long. I mean, I obviously know what to do and how to do it. And everything stemmed from that first startup. So, you know, your thoughts become things. And I, I put it in my mind. Okay, I'm going to come back for my first baby. And I had been obsessed with this uh, place called Code Ninjas because they had grew from one location to like over 200 in less than two years. And I was like, how in the F did he do this? So, and as I was studying it, we literally have the same like target audience, kids ages six to 14. What Code Ninjas does is they would take people's children and they would teach them how to code. And they had centers to do that in. And our business models weren't alike, but our audience, like who are we going after were alike. So, and the way that I structured my first startup, it was very similar to how he structured his. So just recently, I just reached out to somebody random on LinkedIn because I saw there was a connection with somebody I needed to talk to, which was David Graham, the CEO of Code Ninjas. I was like, hey, do you know this guy? Um, I don't know. I just saw y'all were connected on LinkedIn. And he was like, well, let's hop on a call and I can see what I can do to help you out. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I talked to him the next day. And he was like, well, I don't know him specifically, but I do know like his right hand man. So I can just give you his contact information. I'm like, all right, cool. So he gave me the guy's email, randomly sent an email out to the guy. I'm like, hey, I'm Margo. I'm the founder and CEO of this company called You the Richmonds. And I have a self-esteem learning center and yada, yada, yada. Kid you not, he emailed me back like two minutes later. I was like, oh, wow, he must have really been looking at his phone. <laughs> and he was like, can we hop on a call tomorrow? I'm like, okay, cool. So... I got on a call and I'm just thinking I was just going to randomly talk to him because I just wanted their help when it comes to franchising. And so when I get on a call with them, freaking CEO David Graham is on the video call. Not expecting that. I'm like, oh my God. You know how long I've been trying to contact this man? He's like, he's like a goat. He's like the goat in his industry. Like he literally, his team took his freaking brick and mortar and blew it up. Mm -hmm. Like now I, that has since been acquired. And it was so crazy because the guy was like, we want to blow your franchise up. Like we want to just take it from zero to a thousand real quick. I was like, okay, we can do it. Right. So we're still sort of working out the, um, the logistics of how everything will look. But I'm going to, they're, they will have like the global franchising rights of my company. We're going to rebrand it and all this other stuff. But it let me know that that hard work that I put in mm -hmm. to my first startup did not go in vain. Because when I started that company, I knew right off the bat that I wanted to franchise it. And I set it up so that I can do that. Um, I had all the systems in place. I even wrote my own franchise disclosure documents. It was so funny. Because I, I didn't have... $20,000 to give to a lawyer to create these documents. So what I did, I just Googled FDD, Franchise Disclosure Documents, and I structured it based off of like what I saw. So like McDonald's or Pump It Up or whoever else have, has these franchises. And I put mine together and then I sent this to my attorney. I said, hey, can you review this? I paid like $1,100 as opposed to $20,000. He says, girl, this is like one of the best <laughs> FDDs that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like for you to write it yourself, he like redlined and told me what to change and what to put here. But for the most part, it was good to go. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't advise other people to do that, you know, unless you really like look. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, that was how that kind of happened. And right now today I'm raising funds for my second startup. 
which is enrichly, which is a the digital learning platform. And it's going really good. Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited about what's to come. So going back to the question that you or the comment that you made about entrepreneurs being born versus made, which would you say that you are? Um, I don't probably born. Yeah, I was going to say born. Yeah, because I don't I don't I've never had the and there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else. There's nothing wrong with it. It was just me. I've never had that want to work for somebody. Even when I was like in elementary school, like I remember I was running the bank at my elementary school. Like they needed a president and I volunteered. I was like, I'll be the president. So I was like running the little kitty bank. And I remember that entire experience because I had like little employees. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. I've always had a an urge to just be my own boss and really... I don't know. I guess I've always been like a revolutionary because things that I've done and it's so crazy how you do these things in life and they prepare you for bigger journeys. And I've always done these small things that lead to like where I am now. So it's very interesting. So when I was making my deck for this mentorship app that I'm building, I sent it to you and you sent me back a deck that you had made for your company. And it's like, I think it was like 10 slides and it was all just like very simple. So can you go into depth on that? Because I think that's really how you can take an idea from that idea stage into making it a business. And you can do it in this really simple way with like 10 different slides. And each slide is like two sentences. But there's a ton of stuff in preparation that has to go into that, right? To get those two perfect sentences for that vision (laughs) statement or like, how am I going to make money? Yes. So fun fact, when I started my first company, I dreaded writing a business plan like that was the one thing that i needed obviously to secure money because i needed capital for that first startup but when i actually sat down and just did the business plan page by page and then just got it over with i used something called live plan and live plan is something where they have the business plan structured for you you just have to go in and change the paragraphs and they break it down so that you know what to put in each section. Mm-hmm. It took me a couple of days, maybe even a couple of weeks to do that. But that business plan prepared me to create a pitch deck. And when I got to the level of creating a pitch deck, I, first of all, I had no idea what a pitch deck was back in 2016. And then I had to understand like, okay, when you do a pitch deck, there's a book that you can read called Get Backed. And it goes really in detail with how you structure the deck the font that you use, the colors that you use, because it, there's an art, there's a science to it. Um, there's also something called doxing. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. But so when you're sending pitch decks to investors, and I don't know why I didn't know about this before, but when you send it to investors, you use doxing to, to provide them your document. That way you can keep track of who's viewed it. And then you can see like what page they viewed the longest and did they just zip right through it? Like, what page did they spend the less time on? Um, and then Dachshund, they, they're really great at sending analytics. What page to focus on when you're in either pre-seed versus seed versus series A. Um, so putting together that pitch deck and coming up with, like, what to put in where, a lot of it is determined by how you're talking to your customers, how you're forming your business, what you're realizing is more important because the pitch deck that I had last year doesn't look like the one I had this year because I'm more understanding my customers really didn't care about this part. So I'm not really going to talk about that. Or my traction is saying this. So when I'm talking about how much revenue that I've gotten, where it came from, this is what this is where the investors come in and what they care about. Um, I'm understanding better what to put where. 
So I hope that answers. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. And I think that the business plan ultimately is something that really can help use as a catalyst for those ideas. But I mean, it changes, right? Like you said, now you have a different one. So how did you overcome at the beginning, perhaps maybe you were frustrated when you were making it because I've seen some of those templates and I've tried to make them. They're hard. Some of those questions, it's like, and trying to predict the future when Mm -hmm. all you have is this baby idea. It's like, how do you overcome that hurdle? So advisors, I spoke to like a ton of advisors. I got so much advice. Always seek out a mentor, like, which is why I love what you're Mm -hmm. doing because it's like mentorship is so important, especially, and really I think mentorship is important at any stage of the business. That's how I overcame a lot of my hurdles. Like I would talk to um, so many mentors like Olin Douglas. I love him forever. He is one of the, the partners over at Motley Fools and, um, he was a huge part in me getting my first, well, my my biggest check, my biggest check writer, because he helped me to tell a better story with my numbers. I didn't understand what that meant. And I was like, well, I thought I was telling a better story. And he really went through the financials. If it, He has a certain skill set that I didn't have. And he was able to put things together in a way more efficient way so that when I'm talking to investors and I'm telling the story, now I'm telling it from a lens of Mm -hmm. an investor so definitely get you mentors um and then a lot of research i did a ton of research in the industry that i was going into i looked at a couple of other different pitch decks um and though when you first start a business it's like a baby and you have no idea everything is always a hypothesis you don't know what's going to work and what's Mm -hmm. not going to work but the rule of thumb is to put something down on paper, test it out, fail faster. The faster you fail, the faster you learn, the faster you can pick back up and keep going after the next. I have a lot of people who reach out to me or that I connect with students, especially at summits, and they really struggle with networking. Mm-hmm. You are a genius at that. And I know you told me that you, during COVID as well, kind of utilized Clubhouse. And I think that's how you got one of your major investors. Yes. So what about networking? Like, what tips do you have? How do you do it properly? What's the move, the right move, the wrong move, DMing, LinkedIn, emailing? <laughs> so, okay, fun fact, because you said Clubhouse. And so... I had no idea how to use Clubhouse, and I thought it was just one of the another app to use, and I was not interested. But somebody was like, well, you need an invite to get in. I was like, oh, you need an invite. Well, I want to be invited, right? So I freaking, I got an invite into the app, and um, I ended up, I had to study Clubhouse first. And I was in rooms with a ton of people, and I'm like the type of person, I was like, I want to mm-hmm. talk. Like, put me in the conversation. But I had no idea who these people were. So I would, I was studying a lot. And then I was learning how they were networking with one another. And it, it took a lot of observing and seeing what the best practices were. Clubhouse was new, but people would pick up on it quick. So what I did was I learned that I can leverage Clubhouse to get something that I wanted. I know I wanted investors at that time. Well, because I'm still raising and I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I would just get up in the rooms and like the the rooms that were talking about like business or startups or whatever. And I was always talking about mm-hmm. what I was building. And my sister pinged me to a room. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And this room was still going for like eight hours. And I'm just like, it's a it was like a Shark Tank pitch room. And I'm like, oh hell yeah. I just pitched like last month and I won like ten thousand dollars. So I ended up now, it was like 3,000 people in this room. But luckily, remember I told y'all, it's, networking is, is key. Yeah. 
when you mentioned DMs, I think I was sliding in everybody DMs. So the day previously, or maybe it was like a, a week before, I there was a room of like 6,000 people and they were talking about kids and mental health. And I was like, oh my God, this is like what I do. And I messaged this guy who was on stage, had no idea if he was going to respond or whatever. I didn't care. But he replied. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I'm going to bring you up. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. It's like 5,000 people in this freaking room. So he ended up bringing me up. And fun fact, I won $1,000 that night from somebody else. And it was it was really interesting. Because so now the guy knows who I am. Networking. So when my sister pinged me into this room the next week, he was on that same stage. It was like 2,000, 3,000 people in this room. So I'm like, okay, I need to get on this stage because I'm really good at pitching. So I messaged him again and I said, hey, I'm really good at pitching. You should probably let me up. So he lets me up, and I pitch my ass off. And there's this guy in the room, have no idea who he is. And, like, when I when I stopped pitching, the entire room just went crazy. And um, the guy said, okay, I've been in this room for a couple hours, and I've heard, like, hundreds of pitches. You were by far the best pitcher, hands down. And the, the other guy was like, who taught you how to pitch like that? I'm like, I don't I just taught myself, you know. So it was really funny because I met with him, like, a month later, in Miami, like, cause I knew he was gonna be at this event. And this is another thing that people, you need to get used to when you're networking. Find out who it is that you wanna talk to, mm-hmm. research that person, go on their LinkedIn, go on their Instagram, what events are they gonna be at? Like, you really have to be sort of, sort of like a stalker. And I knew he was gonna be in this event in Miami. So I ended up going to a conference and it was super beneficial. This was the first time I paid like five thousand dollars to go to a conference. Never, I had never done that before. I was like, "Fuck, that's a lot of money." But I did it because I really wanted to meet with the guy. And I kid you not, I met him there. And a week later, I had like he wrote me my first check, and this was like a six figure check. So I'm like, "Shit, it was worth it, right?" So don't be afraid to spend money on yourself to go and network. Like it's a yeah. It's a must. You must do it. You have to invest money in yourself. You have to go to these events, network. And so I'm a certified etiquette consultant, and I usually teach people how to network. There are certain things that you do. There are certain things that you say. Like, I have a whole class on it. There's a certain way. Like, if you go to a networking event and there's food and you're super hungry, go off to the side and eat first, then come back and start networking. If you have, like, a wine glass in your hand, always hold your wine glass and your cell phone and your napkin all in the same hand. And so that way, when someone is coming up to you, they want to introduce you, you can shake their hand. And, like, you have one hand that's free and clear. So you never look super unorganized. Um, nowadays, COVID sort of, I don't have a real business card, but I have a digital business mm-hmm. card. I use something called Hi Hello. And it's easy. They can scan you. They have all of your information. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some rules of networking. But never be afraid to spend money on yourself to go to these events. And you have to get out. Like, I'm good at networking because I do it so much. So don't expect to go to your first event and then like crush it because you're gonna learn yeah. what to do and what not to do, who to talk to, who not to talk to. Um, you're also gonna learn how to have conversations. Like when I went to my first big event, I had to learn. Um, and this one girl told me, she said, "Well, you speak too high level for people," because I was talking about my platform, and I was like, "What do you mean I'm speaking too high level? I don't understand what that means." But now I understood like. You not saying that you have to dump yourself down, but speak about topics that are relevant to other people, mm-hmm. you know, and then make your personality shine. Um, always look people in the eye, like when you're shaking their hand and be confident, like 
That's to get everything. Yeah. When you're confident, people will gravitate towards you. Um, I think that's right when it comes to networking. That actually reminds me. I remember a comment someone made to me one time, or actually a few times, and it does sound really simple and silly, but someone had told me once and always stuck with me, like, anytime I wear heels and I'm always so much taller, I just, like, genuinely look more intimidating. Mm. And I realized that more of the outfits that I wear where I think I'm in sneakers or just, like, flats almost meeting someone on their level so I'm not so much towering I think it does actually make a difference it's like a lot easier for someone to talk to you and not necessarily know like what are you trying to do or what are you trying to get versus just looking put together but also looking confident and not necessarily needing to shine everything with an outfit if that makes sense yes no that makes perfect sense it's really funny that you say that because I have um on my Instagram I tried to post these informational videos and there's a video that I posted about um, how your looks are literally everything. Like, what you wear. Mm-hmm. Like, invest in your clothes yeah. because they really matter. You have seven seconds to make a first impression on somebody. So, when you go in that building, when you when you go to that networking event, and when you go to meet that investor, look your best. Mm-hmm. Like, for ladies, throw on a little bit of makeup. Look put together. Yeah. <laughs> because people are paying attention, I kid you not. And every time I go to an event... I am, I, fashion is like my secret love because I love fashion, but I always know how to put these really cute outfits together. And honestly, that's always like an attention grabber. Like, oh my God, where'd you get that? Like yesterday, someone's like, I love your orange pants. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, it was a conversation starter. So um, I don't know. Always dress your best when you go to these networking events. Too. I was shocked at how many people yesterday did not have business cards. Like that almost yes. pissed me. I'm all for digital stuff in a way, but also I was thinking like, okay, wow, I'm actually glad that I have business cards because I I think that's something that someone would remember versus like maybe someone was at this and drinking and then like downloaded the app and then forgot. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm very like <laughs> pro business cards, but um, back to the. The investing in yourself, because I think that's really important. So Mm -hmm. say you're starting a company, right? You're 19 or 20. You have literally zero dollars. You're in college debt. And you come across across this conference that costs $5,000. Maybe it's in L.A. or New York. And it's everyone you want to be in front of. But you don't have that $5,000. What do you do? Do you put it on a credit card? Is it worth it? Yes. Yeah. So, interesting thing. So... When I decided to go to that conference, um, I don't even think I had $5,000, but I knew I had to be mm-hmm. at, this, at this thing. So I just got really creative. Like, you have to get really creative. Yeah. If you know that this is something that you, anything that you want, all you have to do is think about it and it will come to you. And I knew that I wanted to go to this conference. And honestly, when I went, I, I paid 5000 to go, but $10,000 was like the top tier ticket. And there was somebody, there was like a, a party and there was this lady that was going to be there. And I really, 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 really had, like, I had been studying this lady for so long. I followed her on Instagram and um, I have to tell the story. So I had been following this lady on Instagram. I always love her advice. And um, she has like millions of followers. And I'm like, when I saw her there, I was like, oh my God, that's, that's Stormy, right? So if I didn't pay that five, that initial $5,000, I wouldn't even have met her. But the craziest part about this story is because I upgraded my seat, I don't know how this happened, but I ended up getting another $5,000 from somewhere just kind of fell out of the sky, but I thought hard about it and it just came to me. Mm -hmm. I swear thoughts become things. This is not something I'm just making up. But 
I paid that additional five. So at this point, I'm, I paid 10000 to be here at this conference. Now, I have her personal cell phone number. Like, we were literally in, like, intimate quarters together because we were in a vehicle driving to... it. Like, that whole story was freaking crazy. But at the end of the day, like, she knows exactly who mm-hmm. I am. I went to lunch with her. I went to dinner with her. Like, every time I go to her event, she, she put me on her stage, her platform, and said, y'all need to know who this girl is. She's a boss. I'm like, how... Did this even happen? Like, this lady that I looked up to is now paying homage to me. Like, this girl is, you know. And it was crazy, all because I took a chance on me. And I I invested in myself to go to this freaking conference. So, if you're 19, 20 years old, and you don't know how you're going to get somewhere, get creative. Yeah. Get creative. Thoughts become things. Um, I believe 100% in the law of attraction. So if you want that $5,000, that $10,000, it comes to you. Mm-hmm. You just have to attract it to you. And look, if it's 50000 okay, that's a little bit different, right? Like if you're a young college student and you're seeing something and it's like $50,000 will change your life, that's a bit different. But five grand in the scheme of things, and especially the further you get into business, it you may, I bet it was probably the best five grand you spent in. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I made like 10 yeah. times that. Like just by going to the conference, so yeah, it was. And I know you say fifty thousand is different. I don't think it's different. It's it takes just as much energy to get a thousand dollars as it does to get ten or fifty or sixty. Law of attraction. Mm -hmm. Literally, and I teach. I have to teach myself this all the time because when I think hard enough about something. It manifests itself, mm-hmm. but then we trick ourselves into saying, "Oh, well, that's too big. I can't, that's 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 too much. I can't do it." And as soon as you start to doubt yourself, that's when, and the law of attraction is constantly working. So as soon as you start to doubt yourself and say, "Well, I got five thousand dollars. There's no way I can get fifty. Then okay, you're telling yourself that. So you're putting that all. You're putting that limit on yourself. But if you're saying, "If I get five thousand, I'm sure I can get fifty. I kid you not, that fifty will come yeah. to you. I love knowing you in business and as a friend over the years because I think we're so similar in the way that we think. I think a lot of people would tell you. I mean, I'm just even remembering over the years, right? If I would go to my mom, she's in a sense very traditional, was like a nurse for years, never did anything like this. And if I were to tell her I'm going to a conference for $5,000 and I'm going to be in debt for it, it would just be like to her catastrophic. What the fuck are you doing? Like this is the dumbest (laughs) thing ever. Uh, But the way that I think you have this ultimate no fucks given like I'm doing what I know is right it has worked out for you tremendously yeah so what is what is one piece of advice that if someone is listening to this and wants that I don't give a fuck about anything besides pursuing what it is that I love how do you get to that what is the piece of advice to bridge that gap between imposter syndrome or being scared and then having that level of confidence oh my gosh um for me affirmations Affirmations. Everybody has imposter syndrome at some point in time. Yeah. Like, I get imposter syndrome. I'm like, oh my God, how can I do this? Like, after all of the shit that I've done, I will still question myself. When you do that one thing, you start to push things away from you. And I got to a point where I just had to say, you know what? I'm going to put me first and my goals. And I don't give a fuck what anybody else has to say. Because at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing. So you know what you're doing. You know in your mind what the end goal is. You may lose some battles here or there, and I've sacrificed that. But at the end of the day, I know I'm going to win the war, you know? And I think when people start to look at it like... So what I would do is I would would have a list of all of my wins. I would just write a list out. 
And I would look at that list and I would say, okay, girl, you've done this, 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 this. There's no way that you can't do this, this. And honestly, what got you here won't get you there. Mm -hmm. So I have to constantly educate myself. I have to constantly do personal development. I have to read new books. I have to go to new conferences. Like you always have to be leveling up because what you knew yesterday is going to be obsolete today. What you what you learned last week, that skill is going to be irrelevant for where you want to go now. You know, so it's just like, how can I how can you keep leveling up and keep reminding yourself that, okay, this is the end goal. This is the end state. And I think if people keep that tunnel vision of, all right, this is where I want to go. Like, hey, somebody might, their goal is to go public. Like, I want to go public. I want to come to go IPO. And I know that's the end goal. There are little bitty goals in between time that's going to get me to the end goal. So even if I fail one day or something doesn't happen the way I want it to happen, I always look at the end goal. And I say, okay, is this person preventing me from doing this? If they are, okay, I'm cutting you out Mm -hmm. because there's no place for negativity. And that's another thing. Like, watch who you're around. If you're around somebody who is constantly draining you and they have negative energy, they're putting negative shit in the air, get from around them, mm-hmm. like, as soon as possible because you're sucking up the energy, too. Like, I had to I have to really watch who I'm around and who I expose my energy to because at the end of the day, that person's beliefs are going to trickle into yours. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, whether you want it to or not, it's like, oh, so you don't think I can go public? Oh, so you don't think I can do this? Okay, well, I'm going to get the fuck around you. Yeah. Because you're they're only going to bring you down. Like, they may not even be doing it intentionally. It's just a way that their mind works. So level up, always read books, and keep the end goal in mind when it comes to imposter syndrome, holding back. And a lot of it, honestly, is like your self-esteem. Like, there's a book that you all should read. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics. It talks heavily on self-esteem, self-discipline, and how a person's self-esteem impacts every aspect of their yeah. life. So when you get to a level where you have a healthy self-esteem, everything will fall into place. Um, and honestly, self-esteem, doesn't it does not come with self-discipline. Um, there's another book called No Excuses by Brian Tracy. It's a great book. I read it like every month. And it reminds me, get on your shit. Mm-hmm. Like, don't feel bad for yourself. Whenever you find yourself angry... Always revert back to, okay, well, it's my fault. Like, yeah. what can I do different? Get yourself out of the victim mode. Things don't happen to you. They happen for you. Um, and honestly, that's like a, that's a winner's mentality. Because instead of feeling sorry for yourself, you're constantly pushing yourself to go out and get whatever it is that that goal is. So I hope I answered that question right. So well. And you've done so much. What is the end goal? Like, where do you want to see this company going? And you're so young, too. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I want to impact billions of children around the world. Like, I want all kids to have enrichly in their hands. I want parents to have access to it. I want parents to have access into what their child is feeling emotionally, mentally. I want to develop self-esteem in kids around the world so that we can produce more thought leaders more go-getters, like people who are fearless, um, people who are l- looking at the world non-judgmentally, 
And then really looking at people without judgment. Because honestly, things start within that person. So if that person is doing well, that family is going to do well. If that family is doing, that's going to trickle down into that person's mm-hmm. place of employment and that person's place of employment is going to do well because that person is doing their job well. And it, it's like a trickle up effect, yeah. right? Because now that this business is doing well, now the economy is going to do better. Now that the economy is doing better, now the world is going to do better as a whole. So, and everything really boils down to self. So if I can get enrichly in the hands of everybody, like self-esteem development is key to end a lot of the issues that we see um that would mean success for me like yes i want to go public yes i want to have my buildings all over the world um and honestly i want to start a firm i want to start a vc fund and i want to start this fund for not just black women but really anybody who's starting something completely out of Mm -hmm. the box who nobody understands, nobody gets, but they're super passionate about it and they have a plan to scale their businesses. Raising money has been so fucking hard. And when you understand the statistics of less than 1% of black women receive VC money, it's like, damn, that's crazy. That's a crazy statistic. But I see why. It's like so hard. It's so hard. But... I want to start a, a VC fund and I want to, I'm just going to say a hundred million dollar fund yeah. that I can have to give to all of these other badass female entrepreneurs who are trying to start these businesses. And I want it to be a fund where I'm not just giving you money, but I'm also training you. I'm giving you mentorship and self-esteem development will be like a key with my fund. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, if you are a, an entrepreneur, you're a startup founder, Really, whatever it is that you want to do in life. If you don't have self-esteem or healthy self-esteem, then you're always going to self-sabotage. You're you're never going to see yourself as good enough. And whatever idea that you have, you're not going to bring it to fruition. Because for me, I didn't think I was worth it. It was like, I can't do this. And I would have to constantly tell myself, yes, girl, you can. You can do this. And it's, it's such an important yeah. thing. So that's what I want to do. Like, I love my first startup my second startup but i want to start this fund and i want to continue to impact people and continue to teach people how to use business as a force for good start social enterprises you can generate revenue while you're making an impact at the same time um and the world can be this great place if we want it to be yeah that's my goal and it is hard and it's known now especially with with what happened i can't even remember when Black Lives Matter has even happened. Was that last year, two years ago? I feel like we've been in this pandemic for 10 years at this point. Right. It's so much more, everyone's so much more aware now how hard it is to get money, to do these things that are outside of the box as a black woman. So if you had given up, you would have had no idea what was to come, right? So you have to push and push and push against every single one of these barriers. Otherwise, you're not going to know what's on the other side, right? Exactly. Honestly, that was one of the main reasons. So with my, my startup right now, I could bootstrap. Like I could, I, we are generally, we're literally generating revenue right now. Like we make money. And if I wanted to go hard and just, okay, I'm just going to go get all of these sales. I'm going to build my business on my own. I can do that. But there's a huge part of me that 
I want to pave the way for other black women. Mm-hmm. So I want to show you how to go get this money from these investors. I want to show you how to get the money from the VCs. And I want to do it so that I can show you that it's doable and then how to do it. So that's one of the main reasons why I've stuck to, okay, I want to raise money. Also, I do feel like, why can't I build this amazing company with a sense of relaxation? Because I know my bills are paid for. I know I I don't have to struggle and I don't have to eat nothing wrong with ramen noodles, (laughs) but I don't have to eat cup noodles for dinner every night. Right. Like, why not? White boys do it all the time. So why Mm -hmm. can't I? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's. That's what I what I think about when I'm going this route of yeah. raising money and sh- really showing other people how to raise money. Yeah, too. yeah. You're such a boss. I'm so excited for you. And <laughs> you're one you. of the small people I meet that I can really say there is no stopping you because a lot of people, they want to sell a pump- company, they want to go public, and then they just want to relax and go on vacation. And I think the fund is so cool. That's such a neat idea. Yeah. Um, so I'm super, super hyped. Where can everyone follow you on social media as well as get involved with Rich and Richly and everything else that you're building? So follow my personal page, Margo P. Jordan. So M-A-R-G-O P and then J-O-R-D-A-N. And then from there, you can find all of my business pages. So you can Richmond's, Chicks for Class, and Richly, everything is there. Oh, and then I'll I'll put a link to Ambitious Girl Startup is the name of um, my next baby. And I said it here first. Um, so I'm going to reflect back on this day. Like, I said it first with Alexa. Ah, I'm going to put all of this in the bio, too, for anyone who wants to get involved with any more of your projects as well as follow yes. you on social media. So thank you so much. I, I thank you. so excited we met so many years ago and to see how much it's evolved and whatnot. It's just been amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Alexa. It's been my pleasure. You're amazing. <laughs>